Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Second Timothy chapter 1. you to know that this morning I have a very short set of set of notes. Can I get an amen? My notes are not very long. They're not very full. But as you see the subject that I'm going to preach on, you're going to be saying, thank God he doesn't have a whole lot uh, to preach on because it's pretty challenging. Pretty challenging. This is probably in this series that I've been preaching about the difference between moving from a, from a believer, a decision maker, to a disciple. This is probably the most uncomfortable message that I will preach. Nevertheless, it is probably the most necessary message that needs to be preached and the most necessary message that needs to be heard, especially in our day. So I want to read a text this morning. I'm going to refer to it on numerous occasions, but I'm going to read a lot of Scripture today. So I want you to understand this is not just my words or my opinions. This is not something that I come from because this is the tradition that I believe that we need to walk in, but this is the Word of God. And there is nothing else to stand upon except for the Word of God. Amen? In Second Timothy chapter 1, I'm reading from the New Living Translation because it just hears so well on our ears. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Paul writes to Timothy, he says these words, For God saved us. How many of you glad you saved? And He called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was His plan from before the beginning of time. To show us His grace through Christ Jesus. Father, bless the Word. I pray that You would challenge it to our hearts. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that it would be nourishment to us, that it would be meat, Lord God, to our spirits, that You would strengthen us and that You would challenge us most of all to follow Your Word in obedience and complete submission. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. But you to notice what he says. He said, For God has saved us and he has called us to live a holy life. Not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from the beginning. Now, there are two aspects that I need you to understand this morning is that God wants to save every person on this planet. That's His plan. It always has been His plan. Before the foundations of the world were even formed, before the earth was scattered out in in this solar system, and before the solar system was even in existence, the Lord had already made a plan. I whatever, Whatever happens in my creation, I have a remedy, and it is the Lamb that has already been slain. It is taken care of. I am going to make sure that people can be saved. That's His purpose and plan. But it doesn't stop there. The Scripture says that it was His plan not only to save us, 
but to call us to a life of holiness. I knew I wouldn't get a lot of amens on that one. A life of holiness. That was his plan from the beginning. And this morning, I want to address the most noticeable and obvious difference between a believer, and if you know, if you've been here recently, you know how I'm using that term, and a disciple. The most obvious difference between a person who simply gives God a head nod and acknowledges His existence or simply makes a decision and checks a box in a church service, the difference between that and a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is the way they live. That's the difference. I know that's not profound. I know that it's it's not some great revelation. But I will tell you, it is the most needed thing in our day is that we realize that God has not just wanted to save us, but He wants us to live a holy life. You see, a believer believes that Jesus saves. A believer believes that Jesus forgives, but they still want to live their life only to to please themselves. A believer looks at the grace of God like fire insurance. They don't want to go to hell, but they want to continue living like that's where they're going. But a disciple is different. A follower of Jesus, they not only put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, they repent, they get that fresh start, and then they begin to live their life in such a way that begins to honor and to glorify and to please God. They are called to a holy life and they recognize that. A disciple of of Christ, a follower of Jesus, turns the corner on their old way of life. They make choices that will honor God. They make decisions that will praise Him, that will glorify Him in the world around them. They want to honor the one who rescued them from their life of sin and their life of death and who gave them freedom and hope. That is their goal. That is their purpose. A follower of Jesus seeks to please the Lord in all things. They trade their life of sin for a life of holiness. But that's where our problem is today in our culture, in our world. If you're taking notes, I put this in your notes because I want you to hear this. Too many churchgoers believe the truth about living a holy life has become negotiable. And I believe the reason why is because they've heard way too many sermons that are only shades of gray and there is no clarity between right and wrong. That wiggly lines rather than the straight and narrow path have become the chief points of most sermons being preached from pulpits. And that tolerance and acceptance have crept into our discussions about the subject of sin. You could say that many, and for many, 
whether it's a lifestyle or on an occasional basis, sin is not really that big of a deal anymore. I read a recent article just this week that said that most modern teens believe that not recycling is worse than pornography. Now, as I read that, I, I, I chuckled. And then I wanted to cry. Because of the distortion of values and the, and the, the negotiation and the acceptance of what sinful practices are. You see, compromise has become a welcome guest in our lives. He's, it's become a welcome guest in our homes. It has become a welcome guest even in the church. Are you hearing me? And part of the reason is because we have become theologically deficient. We are only taught about the generous love and the extravagant grace of God, but we have not been confronted with the truth about God's intense jealousy for His people and His perfect holiness. And the result is that it has produced a dangerous myth, not only in our culture, but in the church. And that is this, that God grades on a curve. There is negotiation, that there is wiggle room, that there is a, 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 a shaded area of gray, that you can live the Christian life and you can still be fine. My friends, that is not the biblical way. And I'll illustrate this very simply. I've been to a lot of funerals in my lifetime. I've presided over a lot of them. In every one, the best stories of that person's life who lays horizontal in front of the pulpit are told. Oh, Bob, he was a good old boy. He's a good guy. People come up and they eulogize old Bob. I remember me and Bob, man, we used to close down them bars, man. He's a good old boy. Woo, he's a good guy, man. He, 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 was, he, he, was, he was a friend to everybody. But I've never been to a funeral where someone walked up to the pulpit and the preacher got up and he said, Well, folks, Bob lived fast and he lived loose. Most likely, Bob is in hell today. Can we pray? I've never heard that sermon preached at a funeral. Have you? Anybody? This man right here that you're looking at, this woman, yep, she's in hell. Straight to hell. She was a terrible person. Sinful, full of all kinds of just, she's, she's gone and she's in hell. We might as well pray because there's nothing else I can do. I've never seen that. Now, I've heard people talk about sin. Matter of fact, I've had to preside over some of those. Bishop, I'm sure you have too. I've presided over those and I'm like, Lord, they're eternal uh, Security is very much called into question. What am I supposed to do? And I just have to preach the truth. But I just leave Bob out of it. I just tell the truth. You know, the truth is that, that uh, you know, there's a certain place that we're all going to go. And that we all want to go to heaven, but not everybody's going to make it. I'm not talking about Bob. I'm just saying, you know. 
It's, it's a unique thing. And you get up there and do your best, and hopefully, you know, somebody gets the, gets the message without being so offensive, without saying, Bob's in hell. Bow your head. I've never heard this verse read at a funeral. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I've never heard this verse. Verse 9 says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive, or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Have you ever heard that read at a funeral? Friends, we're so glad we're here to eulogize Bob. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. I want to share a little quick scripture. I thought about preaching Psalm 23 of the Lord is my shepherd, but you know, I think this is a little bit more fitting for Bob. Verse 11, <laughs> verse 11 says, that's what some of you used to be. Aren't you glad that that's not who most of us are anymore? Praise God. <laughs> that's who some of you used to be. You were cleansed. You were made holy. Which means, in other words, you were saved and you were called to a life of holiness. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I can remind you today that you are not saved because you are good, because of your goodness, because of all of the fine things that you do in your life, because you're a good old boy or a good old girl. That is not going to get you into heaven. Because the Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 3 or chapter 2, we know that we are saved by grace through faith. Not by our works, because no one can boast. We cannot talk about how good we are, because that will never get you into heaven. We are saved by God's grace and God's grace alone. But we must understand this truth. And that is that a holy life is not the cause of salvation. It is the verifiable result of it. Did you hear me? A holy life is the verifiable, the visible, the obvious result of salvation. Well, Pastor, I was nothing. I'm nothing. And I thank God for that. I mean, you read that scripture in Corinthians about those who indulge in sexual sin. I'm nothing like that. I don't indulge in sexual sin, no. But you're more than happy to watch it on Netflix in your living room. I'm going to preach this morning. Aren't you glad my notes are short? 
I'll sit there and watch that movie. Well, I'm invested. It's a series. Come on, I'm, I'm on your front door right now. A disciple lives a holy life. Let me confess to you. There's been moments when I should have shut the TV off. I'm not standing up here condemning you whatsoever. I'm not saying, oh, I'm better than you and I've perfectly handled all of this myself. No, 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 no. You look at this pastor and you see nothing but a sinner saved by grace. That's it. That's it. Oh, well, you know, I'm so thankful that, you know, I don't worship idols. I don't have any of those. No, but how many times have you put something else in front of God? Your career, a relationship. You worship that money that you make. Well, I've never committed adultery. No. But the last time that lady in your office walked in front of you with that low-cut crop top, you had some thoughts. And Jesus said that if you think it, you've done it. Oh, well, I, you know, that, that whole practice of homosexuality, I'm not like Bob. No, but you're sleeping with your girlfriend. You see, in the church today, we've made such a big issue about homosexuality. But the Bible talks about sexual impurity. That means that any sex outside of marriage is wrong. I don't care if it's with a man or a woman. It doesn't make any difference to God. It is to be conformed into the institution of marriage that God originated for the family. So don't be accusing the brother down the street that's wearing the rainbow colors on his shirt and has, or the sister that has the pink hair and they all talk about you know the LGBTQ alphabet. Let me tell you, if you're sleeping with your girlfriend or you're sleeping with this guy that you just met this week online, you are, my friend, committing sin. You're not living a holy life. I'm glad I'm not greedy. Yeah, but you don't pay your tithe. Well, I need that money. Do you? I'd rather live on 90% that God is blessed than 100% that I try to earn. Well, I'm not a drunkard. I know how to stop. Do you? Why don't we ask all of the people in your office party at Christmas? You see, what we do in the church is we rank sin. We negotiate our sin. We rank it and we say, oh, but pastor, I'm not as bad as that. I don't do that. That's the life that Bob lives, and we know he ain't going to inherit the kingdom of God. Friends, if that makes you feel better, then go ahead and try it. But God is not pleased with that type of life. That is not being called to a holy life. We've got to learn to say no and to turn off the TV or to shut down the Internet or to close the browser or do whatever you need to do to prevent yourself from, from falling out of the life of holiness. You've been called to be saved and you've been called to live a holy life. 
And I'm so thankful that Paul included those words when he says, that's what you used to be. I'm thankful that's what we used to be. We don't have to be that anymore. That cup and bread that we took this morning, that was freedom signed in the blood of Jesus in His name that we have been freed from our past and freed from our sin and all of the things that go along with it. Jesus has brought freedom to you and I, friends. We have to walk in it. He died for our sins, not for somebody else's. He died for your sin and for mine. When we come to Jesus, our story is supposed to change. When we sing that song, that's not who I am. That's who I used to be. In your notes, understand this, that a casual believer hopes to just outrun their sin and avoid its effects. But a disciple is set free from their sin and locks the door behind them. Locks the door. They don't come to the altar so that they can return back to the pig pen. They don't say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, so that they can just get out of the mess that they've created on their own choices and decisions that have put them in positions where the enemy has just run over them like a steamroller. A disciple says, oh God, free me from my sin. Free me from the judgment and the justice that needs to come. But Lord, grant me mercy so that I can never go back to that again. I am done with it. That is the life of a disciple. That is the life of a person who lives holy unto the Lord. Give me ten minutes to wrap this up. So how do you do it, Pastor? How do you do that? How do you live that life of sin? How do you do it? How do you win the battle? Just as Romans chapter 7, Paul says, man, there is a battle that's going on. There's a part that wants to do good. There's a part that wants to be bad. There's a part that wants to just to, to seek the pleasing of the Lord. And there's another part that just wants to please me and my desires. How do you win? First of all, you've got to have a clear vision of why you should be holy. A clear vision. Proverbs 29, 18 is a great verse. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. Or another version says, where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. If you don't know the why, friends, you're going to just go do whatever you want to do. That's what, in other words, it says. How many times have you told your kids, don't do that, little Johnny. Stop doing that. And they come up with this question, why? And then you come back with this, because I said so. Anybody ever done that besides me? Because I said so. Joe Bowen, don't lie right now. Because I said so. I said don't do it. Why? Do you know how the best way to fix that? Tell them no. Tell them to know why. Not just no N-O, but give them the K-N-O-W. N-O without the K-N-O-W produces rebellion. Your children need to know why. And we need to know why 
God calls us to be holy. Without that vision and revelation, we will cast off restraint. Ah, it don't matter. It's no big deal. You have to have that fresh vision. You're called to be holy, first of all, because God's holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires when you lived in ignorance. But just as him who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were deemed from, empty, from the empty way of life, notice this, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The Lord says, be holy because I am holy. Just as our Father is holy, He wants you to be just like Him. I'm so thankful that all of my children got all of their good traits from my wife. I'm not being funny, or I'd get a beating when I got home. No, I'm just kidding. God wants His children to be just like Him. You can tell some of the traits in your life where they come from. You can examine your life and say, you know what? Does this look like the world or does this look like God? I mean, it's not that hard, right? It's not that hard. I mean, you know what ugly looks like and you know what beauty looks like. And you can see the difference. And God wants us to be like Him in complete holiness and beauty. Second reason why you need to have this vision of why you need to be holy, not only just because God tells us to be like Him, is because we are called to be different from the world around us. The Old Testament law basically told the Israelites, "Look, you're supposed to be different than the people that live in this nation or in this world, in the in this in, in Palestine. You're supposed to be different than those people in the cultures around you." People need to see that there is a, a blessing upon those who are set apart and who are holy and that there are curses upon those who are not. You should live differently. And you know what? Not only are you going to live differently, but there are benefits that come to those who live differently that the world is not privy to. The blessings of God should be different upon the follower and the, and the one who's living holy than those who are not. The favor of the Lord rests upon those who walk a holy life. You want to live a rebellious, half-hearted, carnal Christian life and then come and say, Oh, Lord, give me that job I'm so needing. God says, Why don't you give me all of you? We're supposed to be different from the world. So when you're not sleeping around, you're set apart. Hey, some of you are like, well, how am I set apart from the world? I just gave you one. If you're not dropping four-letter words at the beginning of every sentence, you're set apart. 
Because everybody I talk to in this culture, you can't go through a conversation without it spilling out of their mouth. When you go to your office party and you don't have to call Uber to get a ride home, you're set apart. Hey, he wants us to be different. So be different. We're called to be holy because it protects us from the enemy. And you've heard this moniker that sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. You know what's funny about the devil is that he works both sides of the sin door. He tempts you coming in and then he condemns you going out. He's working both sides of the door. Oh, come on, it ain't going to hurt you. And as soon as you fall into that trap and you've been serving the Lord, you're a loser. I told you, you have no faith. What a weakling you are. You might as well just give up. He's working both sides of the door. He's trying to destroy your life. Let me tell you something. If you're young in faith and you've been saved for a short period of time, let me tell you something. He is after you 150%. And here's the reason why. Because it's easier to contaminate a seed of faith than it is to have to spend a lifetime trying to chop down a tree of faith. He wants to get you when you're vulnerable. When you haven't allowed the Word to really seep in. When you don't have enough experience to know how to deal with Him. And you haven't learned how to trust upon the, the, the nudging and the, and the urging of the Holy Spirit. We're called to be holy because it allows us to have fellowship with God. Matthew 5, 8 says this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let me tell you something. A holy person, a person who's walking a godly life, will live a holy life, and one day they will stand before the Almighty God face to face. Praise the Lord, we're going to see Jesus one of these days. With your own eyes, with my own eyes, I'm going to get to see my Savior once and for all, in all of His glory, with these eyes that have been transformed. I believe it's more than that. Because when you walk a holy life, you don't just get to see Him that day, but you will begin to see Him in your life working around you every day. You begin to see Him at work. As you live your life, you begin to see Him protecting and providing and blessing and restoring and changing and acting because you're seeing God. Because those who are blessed are pure in heart and they will see God. The second thing is, how do you live this holy life? Is you have to be truthful with where you miss the mark. Now, here's the thing. There's not a person in this room who has not missed the mark, even if you've already been saved. You've tried. And that is what God wants, is your earnest, diligent, Here's what I want to tell you. This is a truth that you need to understand. There is a difference between wickedness and weakness. And you, my dear believer, follower of Jesus, you need to be aware of the areas in your life where there is weakness. You see, when you come to yourself like the prodigal son did, you go back home. Some people have carried it that far. 
But one way that the Bible prescribes to talk about this weakness is through confession. I don't have time to really dive deep into that, but James tells us, James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to each other. Now we're comfortable confessing our sins to God, aren't we? But when we add the each other, that gets us really uncomfortable. You know what that means? That means saying, I'm wrong here. That means saying, I'm not very strong here, friend. I was wrong, wife, husband. We confess ourselves to one another. And then you do what you have to do. Once you examine it, you see your weakness, you do what you have to do. Matthew 5, 29, he says, If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. If it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus is obviously speaking in hyperbole. He's saying, hey, you've got to take some drastic measures in order to deal with your weaknesses. You see, long-term pain of staying the same for a Christian who's struggling with a repetitive cycle of occasional sin will be much worse than the short-term pain of changing. So I close with this. Daniel, if you'd come. The last thing you need to do is you need to fill yourself with God. I want to read one more scripture, Galatians chapter 5. I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live by the Spirit, he says. You want to live a holy life? That holy life involves the Spirit. And what's his first name? Holy. Live by the Holy Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Which means if you're led by the Spirit, your desires will not win. The law was ineffective. That's what the Scripture tells us. Paul says the law, what it could not do in Romans, was it could inform you of your sin, but it could not help you overcome your sin. But my friends, we live in a covenant now that says the Spirit of God who is dwelling within us, who is filling our hearts and lives, He gives us the strength to overcome the temptation that arises in our own desires when you're alone by yourself with your computer. The Spirit of God can give you the strength, my brother, to overcome that temptation. You can win. I said you can win. You're victorious. We sing it today. I'm free. Not because I sing the song. I'm free because Jesus has freed me and the Spirit gives me the strength to stay that way. Hallelujah. You're free because you're full of the Holy Spirit. The life of holiness cannot be done without the filling and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
That's why we preach a deeper walk all the time. That's why we say, oh, don't get bored. I believe that that's the reason why this, the, that most Christians fall into this, this little, they, they, they play tag team with the devil and they sin and they, they, they lose this, this walk of holiness. It's because the Christian gets bored. Boredom is, a, is one of the worst things that can happen in your Christian life. When you just get bored with just the status quo and the same old, same old, you need to pursue something deeper and stronger, and you need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit with more clarity, and you do that by just seeking God, saying, Lord, I want more of you in my life. Because a disciple lives that holy life, and that holy life only comes through the work of the Holy Spirit within us. You can't win it on your own, but you can win by the power of the Holy Spirit. So everything that you've heard this morning, it's been challenging, but that right there gives you something to go on in victory. That should lift your step this morning. Because I know in this room that there are those, you, you know the Lord. You consider yourself a follower of Jesus, but you're wrestling with some sins and some things that keep wanting to latch on to you. And you dither. And what you need is you need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in your life so that once and for all, you can look at the devil square in the eyes and you say, no, I've had enough of that. I'm not go That's not me. That's who I used to be power of the Holy Spirit will set you free. I want to pray for you today, this morning. My encouragement for you to do is this. If that was you, come back tonight where you're not limited by trying to figure out if you're going to beat the church down the street to the lunch buffet. But you can take time and you can say, Lord, I want a deeper experience. I want something different. I need more so that I can live that holy life. Bow your heads all over this room this morning. So I know who I'm praying for especially. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I, 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 my walk with the Lord is, well, let me be honest, Pastor. My walk with the Lord doesn't look like what, you, what was preached this morning. I'm not much different than the world around me. I, I, I know who Jesus is. I, I, I come to church and, and I hear about him. But man, when I go out there, it just becomes, I don't know. Remember this, friend. You were saved. And then you were called to live to a holy life. But if you're struggling with things in your life, you're playing around with sin, now is no time to be doing that. Not in the day that we live. Not in this short hour. With no one looking around and everybody's head bowed, would you just please, if you would be honest, you say, Pastor, pray for me this morning because I need to, I, I'm dealing with my, with my actions in my life this morning. I'm dealing with the sin. I need, I need God to forgive me and I need freedom this morning from this, this cycle that I find myself in. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Just lift your hand. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Come on, hands all over the room. A lot of honest people. Yes, hands all over the room. All over the room. Thank you for being honest. You can put your hand down. Yes, yes. Hear me. 
hand's still going up. Yes. Hear me. The Lord loves you. He loves you. Here's the great thing. He's not condemning you. He's not condemning. He, he, he's not wanting you to raise your hand so he can say, ha ha, gotcha. You finally admitted it. Finally, gotcha. That's not our God. <laughs> he, he doesn't condemn you. What he does is he calls you. He's calling you. That's why you raise your hand because the Holy Spirit is drawing you and God is calling you. He's saying, hey, I want you to know what it's like to live free of that and come up a little bit higher level. He's calling you to that life of holiness. And he's saying, stop trying to do it on your own. You can't. You've tried it. You can't. You can't control that temper. You can't stop looking at that. You can't keep speaking that. You, you can't refrain from speaking that way. That's just who you are. No, that's the devil's lie. God says, you can't do it, but I can in your life. So you have to ask the Holy Spirit who is holy to give you the strength every time. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the spirit that we've felt this morning in this church. I thank you, Lord, for your grace, Lord, that has saved us, has made us clean, that's washed us by the washing of the word. And I pray that, Lord, today, that, Lord, that your spirit would come, Lord, and those who are dealing with sin in their life this morning, I pray that, God, that they would pray a prayer and ask for forgiveness, Lord, that they would say, Lord, I am so ashamed, I am so broken, Lord. When we get ashamed of our sin, Lord, that's when we decide to do something about it. Lord, let us be ashamed, Lord, of the sin, Lord, that may exist, Lord God, in our sphere. Of our, in our life. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to become clean. Wash us, Lord. Purify us. Set that sin behind us. And Lord, don't allow us to be condemned or hear the voice of the enemy that would condemn us. But Lord, I pray that you would call us, Lord, to a life of holiness. And give us the strength to live it. I praise you today and I thank you for you. your help we give it to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me before we go today? Don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock. Don't forget sisterhood. We're going to have a great time, ladies. It's a busy week. But I pray God's blessing upon you. Receive this blessing. Father, I pray that you would bless us and keep us. That you would cause your face to shine upon your people. Lord, may we be the testimony of your holiness, Lord, into the world of lost around us. Let us be the light, Lord. Let us be the example, Lord, that you have called us to be. Rest upon us with your grace and your peace. And may we pursue your holiness in Christ Jesus. name we pray. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.